in there of Palm Sunday today. In fact, let me go first. Let me read Mark again, though we read it earlier, Mark 11. Verse 1, and it says this. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. Everybody say, and will send it back here immediately. Now, I know I've read this in the Bible before, but I don't think I've read it in the Bible before. And we'll send it back immediately. Let me go on. And they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they said, they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw the cloaks on him, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David Hosanna in the highest. And let me turn over real quick to uh, Luke chapter 19. You know, all four Gospels record this. But in verse 40, in fact, let me go verse 39 of Luke chapter 19. At the end of this Hosanna and this parade, and some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near, he saw the city, and he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a, bar a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Well, Father, as we look at these scriptures today and as we take time and remember this week in the life of of Jesus, that though many were waving branches and throwing their cloaks on the ground, he had a focus about him. He was focused on the cross. He was focused on finishing his assignment. So Lord, open up our eyes to see these. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. So my message today is things Jesus borrowed. How many of you have had a neighbor come to your house and they knock on the door and they asked to borrow eggs, or they asked to borrow oil, or they asked to borrow flour, or they asked to borrow tools, 
Now, you know, it's funny when they ask to borrow eggs because are they really, really going to bring them back? Oh, yeah, here's the shells. Or maybe what you've done is when next time you were at the store, you bought eggs and then you took it to them. You probably forgot. But how many of you could even think right now that you let somebody borrow something and you never got it back? Anybody here? You think, wait, look at every hand up, huh? You let somebody borrow and they didn't bring it back. How many of you, though, have something of somebody's that you borrowed and never brought it back? And you just kind of keep moving it around? Or did you say, praise God, I got blessed. I don't know where this came from. No. But as we read this story and as we go through, we celebrate this weekend Palm Sunday. And it's one of the stories that all four writers of the Gospels focus on. So whenever I read in the gospel the same story through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I wonder if the Holy Spirit puts it in there for us really to pay attention about what's going on. Because we know this, you can say it once, you can say it twice, you can say it three times, but repetition is what begins to sink in. So when we read this, it's not just about Jesus riding on a donkey and people cutting down palm branches. It's, it's about... Jesus was focused on a different mission. He's focused this week on the cross. He's focused this week on you, on me, his disciples. He understands the power of his resurrection and the power that this redemption is going to do. In fact, we read this last week, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7. Isaiah 57, prophetic scripture about Jesus for this week. It says, but the Lord helps me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. Or, it's a prophetic verse of Jesus this week, I have set my face hard to finish what God has asked me to do. His focused mission was you. And there's no Palm Sunday if Jesus isn't focused on the cross. You know, when you read through the story of Palm Sunday, you read through about all the celebration, but Jesus didn't ask them to have a parade for him. Hey guys, you know Passover week's coming, and I was thinking that on the Sunday we could do what's called a Jesus parade. Peter, if you can take care of getting the hats and the t-shirts. Uh, John, I want you to go ahead. I want you to tell everybody where their good coats because at the right time, and you're going to do the signal, they're going to lay down the coats. And then, um, who else? Mark, can you tell everybody, bring the saws, because I want them to saw down the palm trees. They need to be cut anyways, but just saw them down, and you're going to put it before the road. And let's make sure that we're announcing to everybody that the Jesus parade is going to take place on Sunday. Let's do it about 10. We'll do it after breakfast time, and people can get the... No, he doesn't plan that, does he? It's not orchestrated but here's what he orchestrates he orchestrates for them to go get this cold in fact we read this prophetically in Zechariah 9 9 let me read that verse Zechariah 9 9 rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion shout aloud O daughter of Jerusalem behold your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he, humble 
and mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. Well, remember, Jesus said, when you go into the village, you're going to get the colt that's never been ridden. Untie it and bring it to me. Here, Zechariah prophesies exactly at this time, and Jesus is fulfilling this scripture by choosing the colt and by going to the city. If you read in 1 Kings, in fact, you can read a lot of the kings in the Old Testament. When there was a celebration, people just cut down branches and they threw their coats down. That's kind of odd, isn't it? That's how they celebrated. That was their honor to them. But Jesus is not entering Palm Sunday like the people think he's entering. He's not coming in on a war stallion. He doesn't have a sword on his side. He doesn't have chariots and horses that are flanking him, marching men from behind that are tapping on cadence. He doesn't have any of that. And what the people want is they want somebody to save them from the Roman occupation, to deliver them, to free them. But Jesus sees the very heart of every person because he knows that you need to be saved. True freedom isn't found that you're not occupied. True freedom is found on the inside. That's his focus. So when we come to Palm Sunday, his focus is fulfilling even this verse. Think about it. If you had all of these verses to fulfill, let me tell you, it'd be tough to do, wouldn't it? Okay, today I'm supposed to find a colt. Where do I find a colt? Where do I borrow a colt? You know what a colt and a donkey were back in those days? It's a pickup truck. How many of you have a pickup truck? I've got a pickup truck. That's your pickup truck. Those are working animals. You don't just give them away. Do you know how many people, how many friends you have when you have a pickup truck? Let me tell you this. If you don't have friends, go get a pickup truck. You'll have friends by the afternoon. Hey, I was just calling and wondering, um, would you like to get coffee together? And maybe we could do that right after you help me move. You know, right? Moving, going to storage places. If you have a truck, you've got friends. If you have a truck, that means you're probably working somehow. If you've got a donkey and you've got a colt, those are your working animals. You just don't let some guy, oh, yeah, go take it. When are you going to bring it back? Mm, I don't know. He just says he has need of it. No, he said he'd bring it back immediately. He'd make sure that it gets back to you. Even in the celebration of Palm Sundays, and here's what I saw that I love what Jesus does. He always uses other people in his plan. He always uses people. Prophetically, he's going to ride in on a colt, but he's going to send the disciples to go get the colt. He's going to give them the instructions on what to say. So I was thinking that I think of this every time I read this story. I think about going down to the Mercedes dealer right here on Santa Anita and going in and picking out whatever model. I don't know all the model numbers, but going in and say, the Lord has need of this and I will bring it back immediately. And I'm sure they're going to say, oh, sure, sure, sure. Just sign this and bring it back whenever you can. You think they're going to do that? Absolutely not. In fact, you end up on the news, you know, stealing a via some crazy guy got this car, and now we're after him. This is pretty crazy, isn't it? Jesus wants to borrow this colt. He's going to send and use these disciples. He's going to fulfill the scripture, 
but he wants to borrow something to show the disciples to have faith in what he tells them to do. Now, as I started going through his ministry, think about this. He borrows a boy's lunch. Have you ever tried to take food away from kids? Kids don't share their french fries. Have you ever noticed that? They don't share their french fries. They might share their meatloaf with you or their vegetables. They don't share french fries. They don't share their nuggets. No, they keep those things. They don't give you a slurp of their shake. They give you the stuff they don't want. So they got some little boy. They borrow his lunch, and the lunch feeds the multitude. 5,000 men plus women and children. He borrows the lunch. I love when I read on, he borrows the colt. He gives them more instructions. You're going to go into town, and you're going to look for a guy with a water pitcher. And when you find him, tell him we're going to want to use his room. Because we're going to have our Passover, and we're going to have the Last Supper, a communion meal there. So they're looking for a guy with the, found the guy with the water pitcher. Asked him to use the room. He's letting us use the room. But he always sends the disciples ahead to do it. Even Jesus' tomb is borrowed. Hey, and he never asked for it. Joseph of Arimathea told Pilate, in fact, if you read in the scriptures, he was nervous to do so. But he offered his tomb, not knowing Jesus would just need to borrow it for a couple days. Right? He'd give it right back. You, people don't do that nowadays, do they? Can we borrow your funeral plot just for a couple days and then we'll give it back? That's like morbid, weird, isn't it? And he gets it back. But he loves to send people ahead of him to do what he instructs or tells them to do. He sends the disciples to borrow the lunch. He sends the disciples to borrow the colt. He sends the disciples to borrow the room. And then he sends at his resurrection the two Marys and a lady named Salome. Go and tell the disciples that I have risen. Wouldn't you want to tell them yourself? Wouldn't you want to be the one that appears and just says, here I am, guys, where were you? He sends somebody else to tell them the message because he had ascended to his father. So Jesus loves to fulfill what he says to do through you and I when he sends us out. In fact, look at your neighbor and say, he wants to send you. That was pretty weak. He wants to send you. Right? He wants to send you the no, He wants to send you out. Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26. The psalmist writes this. Save us, we pray, O Lord. We pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Didn't we just read that in Mark? In fact, you can read that in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And in John, Hosanna. Save us. The people are focused on the wrong thing. They're focused on salvation from the Romans. Jesus is focused on their hearts. He's focused on their redemption. You know, the crowds are doing the right things. They're shouting. They're paying respect to Jesus. They're throwing down their coat. They're cutting down palm branches. They're honoring him as their king but not as the king of their hearts, what Jesus set out to do. And I guess in the crowd, I bet you some of those people were people that were healed because of Jesus. I bet you in that crowd, there were people 
that were fed by Jesus from the miracles. I bet you in that crowd there were people that heard him teach. And probably in that crowd were all of the people that either saw or heard of his ministry. And it somehow, some way their lives were changed. That it seems like that this was a spontaneous thing that they did to honor him as Lord. But it didn't come from their hearts. It came from an action of them having a different picture of a king. See, we've got to align ourselves to Jesus' picture. To his words, not by what we think. We follow what he says. And some of the people, like we read in Luke, some of them didn't feel that way at all. They didn't care about his healings. They didn't care about his teaching. They didn't care that he fed people. They didn't care about any of that. They wanted the crowds to shut up. In fact, let me read that again in Luke 19. And these are the religious leaders, the Pharisees, are the ones that scream at them to tell everybody, tell them to shut up. Tell them to be quiet. And Jesus says this, and he says in verse 40 of Luke 19, he answers, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. May a stone never cry out because my mouth doesn't cry out to the Lord. That's a powerful word, isn't it? If they don't worship me, the stones on the side of the road will worship me. And in verse 41, you see Jesus' focus because his focus now, he's not enamored by the parade. You know, and I know some of you. How many of you love it when people do a surprise party for you? Raise your hand. I'm not one. How many of you? Okay, come on, I'll be honest. Raise your hand if you love it when, if you had a surprise party for you, there's only three of you truthful. All right, I got more hands going up. Lord, be with them and stir their heart. Good. Some of you, right? How many of you love parties or, or somebody does something for you and you just love it, right? Write you a nice card. All right. Come on. About everybody likes that. That's not Jesus in this, right? He's not looking for a parade to make him feel good. You know, guys, I really need this this week. This is going to be a tough week for me. And I really need you to celebrate me. No, his heart is what we read in verse 41. He draws near the city and sees Jerusalem. And the second time in the gospel that we see Jesus weep, the first time is over Lazarus. He died. And I don't know necessarily if he's not weeping over Lazarus. He knows what he's going to do. He's weeping probably over the ones that think it's hopeless and endless and there's nothing else that can be done. He should have showed up. Now he weeps over a city that had an opportunity. That he came and presented himself. In fact, it goes on and says, as he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. One of the Greek translations is crying and bawling. You know, it's one thing to shed, you watch a movie and there's a sad part and you have a little tear. All of us have had that, right? You have a little tear come down or it's emotion. It's another thing to cry, but it's another. Have you ever cried and like wept out loud and stuff comes out of your nose? You know what I mean? It's like weeping. Jesus is weeping. His heart is moved. That there was an opportunity that the people missed. It wasn't the parade that he was caught up in. It was the people. And he goes through, we won't read it again. He goes through and says, these things were made for your peace, but you've chosen to go the other way. 
And in 70 AD, we know what begins to happen to Jerusalem. And the people get scattered. But Jesus went after every heart. He was focused on every heart. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. You know, one of the things we forget that Jesus did that we read in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame, triumphing over them in him. Because what Jesus saw on that Palm Sunday wasn't just people giving him lip service, wasn't just the Pharisees mocking him. He understood the power of the spiritual darkness that he would overcome and crush because of his resurrection. And he would disarm those rulers. He would make sure there was nothing in the way. In fact, we read this, and, and we typically read it on Good Friday, when he says, it is finished, the veil of the temple rips. To let us know that God's presence isn't in that temple anymore. Now, after confessing Jesus, it's on the inside of us. You know, the Apostle Paul, I think, picks this back up in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. And here's what he says to us. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When all of the branches and the coats and the hosannas were going on, Jesus also understood this. I'm going to finish on the cross. I'm going to disarm every ruler and principality. I'm going to put them to open shame. I'm going to empty myself out so that everyone, or what we say, the whosoever will, will come and they'll be able to confess me as Lord. I'll submit myself this week to be a sacrifice. You know, this last um, Wednesday... I uh, had to go in, I postponed a dermatologist appointment by a year, so none of you nurses don't email me, let me know, have shame on you, and, and when I go into the dermatologist appointment, my blood pressure went up a little bit, because the lady loves to use that, like, freeze stuff on my face, and it hurts, and I don't like stripping down and having somebody go over me with an ultraviolet light, it's humiliating. Check the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, right? Any spot. And then she hit me three points. I think they like doing that. Right? And you're like, ow. But my blood pressure went up. They had to do it again. And so they said, oh, your blood pressure's a little high. I said, yeah, I'm nervous. She's going to try to spray me or cut me or, do, you know, do something to me. So we all know, right? Why did I put it off last year? 
I don't want to get sprayed. I don't want to get cut. And we tend to do that when there's pain involved. We like to get rid of it and isolate it, not deal with it. Nobody wants to go through pain. Jesus knew prophetically everything that he was going to endure this week that we celebrate. He knew that he would be slapped, spit upon, mocked, a crown of thorns in his head. He knew that he would receive the stripes down to the number of what he'd received. He knew that he'd have to carry part of his own cross to be crucified. He knew those nails would go in his hands and feet. He knew that even after he died, a soldier would come with a spear just to poke it, just to make sure. Even after he gave up and said, it is finished, he'd given up himself. They didn't need to break his legs. And that was a prophetic scripture because no bones would have been broken in him. He knew exactly what he was going to have to endure every single step. He knew Peter would deny him three times. He knew the disciples would spread on out and be discouraged. He knew Judas would betray him. And that Judas, who he'd been with now for three and a half years, would hang himself. He knew what he was facing this week. But as we read this, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, I love when I read that, therefore, God highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Where the people are focused on laying down palm branches, Jesus is focused on laying down his life. And he's got what we read in the scriptures. It was a joy to him in Hebrews chapter 12. The shame of it was a joy because of the opportunity he had to get you back. It's all about getting you back in your heart. And it's all about sending you out ahead of time. And to find people that their hearts are somewhat open because he wants to send you. You know, and I was trying to go through and figure out a really good part of this. Who took the donkey back? Who took him back? We read in Mark 11. Jesus is not going to lie his final week on earth, right? I blew it. I just had one lie. We forgot to take the colt back. Have you ever not returned a rental car on time? You know what they happen? They charge you, right? If you not return tools that you charge, you know that you've got to take things back. It used to be if you didn't take that movie back, you know, they'd get you for a whole nother week. You know, I read this. We don't ever know. We don't know who does. Maybe Jesus assigned somebody to hey, make sure that the colt goes back. Make sure you tell me right. You're going to take it back? Taking it back. But he, Jesus would never lie. He would never, he would never take it and just say, tell him we'll bring it back and not ever do that. He would make sure that he fulfills his very words, even if it's returning the colt that was borrowed and full of gas. Well, I guess you'd fill him with hay, right? It's full of he would make sure that every dot 
every cross T that the Bible says, that everything would be fulfilled down to what he sent people to do. That's why when we read these things, he's fulfilling those words that were prophesied, but he's also fulfilling the very thing he said. So when we read the things that he says, we can believe exactly what he says. Bow your heads if you would with me today. Father, when we come today and we look through your word, and almost at every point of a miracle or something miraculous, you used the disciples and you used people. You wanted them involved. You sent them with your words. And before their very eyes, they saw a boy's lunch multiplied to feed this massive crowd with leftovers. They saw with their own eyes that there's the cult. And we used Jesus' words and they let us take him. With their very eyes, they saw that. With their very eyes, they saw the guy with the pitcher. And when they asked about a room, the room was allowed them to use. Every single thing that you set out, Father, to do, you fulfilled, not missing one thing. So when we come to your promises, we know that they are immovable. We know that they are assured. We know that they're a foundation. We know that they're the rock by which we place our feet on. We know that when we take a hold of those promises, you are not a man that you should lie. You don't lie, you don't overstate, you don't brag. You say the very truth for us to follow. So Lord, we come today, this Passion Week. In fact, would you make even your chair right there, would you focus directly, not even on what I'm saying, but would you take a minute just to focus on the Lord? That this week that we call Passion Week. Father, that I bring my life before you. And maybe the places that I know I should believe you for, I haven't. Maybe I've gotten spiritually lazy. But I come back to the faithful high priest. I come back to the promises that are sure. I come back to the yes and amen. I come back to what you have called and what you've said and what you've promised over my life. And I won't be somebody that just waves palms or throws down coats. I'll focus on what you said to do. And I'm amazed that you use me. But you've always done that. You borrow certain things, but you send us to watch and see what you do. Father, I pray that over us this week, that we would be people, men and women and children and young people, that would watch and see what you do. The God that makes the crooked places straight. Lord, I pray places that have been stuck or doors that have been shut, Lord, as we give ourselves, even this week, that you show yourself faithful. Holy Spirit, burn these things in our heart today and this week. Lord, let, let us run into people because you've sent us to give them a word in due season. 
That's the Father's heart. That's the Father's heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship as we close today.